1: We're a proud member of the Queen City Podcast Network and the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, a series of author-hosted podcasts uh, distributing literary content to a worldwide audience. I'm your host, Landis Wade, a recovering trial lawyer turned author turned podcaster of books and stories, and I really appreciate you being here. Very quickly, before we get to the uninterrupted interview today, a few quick words about some of the benefits uh, for our listeners. Number one. We have show notes uh, for every episode uh, with images, links, and information about our authors at charlottereaderspodcast.com. And number two, if you're into audiobooks, uh, we have a relationship with Libro.fm, which supports indie bookstores. If you sign up with Libro to get your audiobooks and use the promo code Charlotte Reader, you'll get an extra audiobook free. Number three, if you go to charlottereaderspodcast.com or my personal website, landisway.com, and you sign up for the book report, you're going to get it every other Tuesday. And here's what you'll get. Recommended readings, author interviews and videos, reading and writing tips, doses of inspiration, a free ebook by yours truly, and more. We won't spam you. That takes way too much time. And finally, we've got a lot of great content that we put out on our exclusive Patreon channel. If you like what we do here, uh, that is our mission of helping authors give voice to their written words, and you'd like to help us uh, defray the costs of this project, you can jump over to Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Charlotte Readers Podcast. And you can tap into all the great extra content we've got that's curated by our authors and me about uh, their writing lives and the craft and business of writing and other things too. But enough with the prologue, let's get to the uninterrupted story of our guest and the one they've written. In today's episode, we visit with Jack Allison, author of The Warm Heart of Africa, a colorful firsthand account of life in the Peace Corps in the 1960s. While volunteering in Malawi, this journey for self-realization forged a career for Jack as a physician and public health educator. Using his background and deep passion for music at Allison created a series of popular songs and jingles with important public health messages while he was serving in Malawi. The culture and customs there were different, but music was a language spoken by all. His song about feeding children, Peanuts and Porridge, was number one in Malawi, three years running. Chris Matthews, the retired host of MSNBC show Hardball and former Peace Corps volunteer, said, Jack Allison writes about the real Africa, the summer heat, the pungent aroma, the sound of children at play, but most of all, the humanity. In the warm heart of Africa, you can hear the continent's voice and instantly know how it changed our lives. Jack, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much, Landis.
1: Yeah, so glad to have you. Congratulations on the book. It was a long time coming, right?
2: Yeah, it took a long time to get here.
1: <laughs> a lot of a lot of water under the, the bridge, as they say, right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, I want to start, this is the book, The Warm Heart of Africa. It's a memoir. Um, We're going to talk about that today on the show, but I want to start with the setting for this memoir, the place where you spent three years of your life, Malawi, Africa, you know, Chris Matthews and what I just read talked about how you really got to the heart of things, the summer heat, the pungent aroma, the sound of children at play, but most of all, humanity. Tell us about that part of the world. Maybe start with your first impressions day one, you know, in the village and a little bit about life in in a village there in the 1960s.
2: Well, day one in my village was a little bit stark. Um, In Peace Corps training, the mantra is be flexible. And our group had actually trained to go to Nigeria. So I had three months training in a different language in a different part of Africa. And um, believe it or not, they sent us to Puerto Rico for a month for an immersion in Chichewa, the national language in Malawi. So I was taken to my post on a truck with the Brits a lorry, African driver, and another Peace Corps volunteer sitting next to me And it was, as we say in the South, it was hotter than Blixby's. (laughs) So we pulled into my village and I was just stunned by the poverty that animals were running everywhere. The pigs, the goats, a few cows, uh, the cats were sleeping, the dogs were sleeping, and um, the kids were happy to see us and we lumbered down to where the dispensary was where i was going to uh do a lot of my work and i was just overwhelmed with uh the smells and uh a lot of trash and again the abject poverty
1: now you were you were a young person you had uh yeah you, know, you weren't too far out of college we're going to talk about how you got there in just a moment i want to sure. leave that for just a, for a moment but uh Talk, I want to talk about this part of the world, because on, on your cover, uh, you know, you can uh, kind of see it. Uh, you, you've got a, a map of Africa on the cover of your book, and there's a heart placed kind of in the southeast uh, corner of Africa. Tell us about the location and, and where does it fit within Africa as a whole?
2: Well, I appreciate your asking because it's just south of Tanzania. Tanzania is just south of Kenya. So a lot of people have heard of those two countries. Malawi is bordered on the east by Mozambique. And Mozambique sort of covers comes around the southern tip of Malawi. And to the west, what what used to be northern uh, Rhodesia and southern Rhodesia, they also got their independence as well. Malawi is landlocked, Landis, but it has the third largest freshwater lake in all of Africa. And so it's an incredibly beautiful country. Uh, it was colonized by the British. And so the two national languages are Chichewa and English.
1: Yeah, one of the poorest countries in the world, I understand, in the 1960s, and it it was then ravaged by the AIDS epidemic. Um, What's the difference between uh, Malawi then when you were a young Peace Corps volunteer and today?
2: I think the biggest difference physically when one flies into Malawi, I noticed this first in 1994, and that was the first time I'd been back. It was 25 years Since then, I've been back many times. But what's happened since then and continues is deforestation. Mm -hmm. When I was there, the trees were luxuriant. And now uh, what people use for firewood, what they use to build their village homes is wood. That's the infrastructure. And people cook their three meals a day using firewood. And uh, you know, there's a Nobel Prize Landis for somebody who comes up with cheap renewable energy for the Third World.
1: Mm. So, why the uh, why the name the Warm Heart of Africa?
2: Well, that got coined in the early 1970s uh, by. A British chap who lived there named Frank Johnston, he was a consultant to deal with tourism. And believe it or not, he just died a couple months ago. And um, he coined that phrase. And that was, quote unquote, what they used to try to get um, Europeans and Americans and Canadians to come visit there.
1: Yeah, well, I really enjoyed reading your your memoir. There's a lot of interesting uh material in here about uh, about your experiences. Uh, I I I'm wondering uh, though you know, you had a path to Malawi by way of the Ed Sullivan show and touring with a rock band called the One-Eyed Jacks. And right. I'd, like to, I'd like to back up a minute and add some context to that because we're going to be talking about music today and also in our Patreon episode. So let's talk about the music of Jack Allison.
2: One of the chaps in, in the Glee Club, the UNC Men's Glee Club, got us an offering to, to appear on the Ed Sullivan Show. In order for me to do that, I didn't have enough money for that travel. So I actually joined a band called the One-Eyed Jacks. So I was the lead center, a singer and I played first chair tambourine. And um, there were five of us in the group I don't play a musical instrument for, for a rock band, but um, what we did is that we sang for six months and I had a parallel job at the same time singing a uh, tenor soloist and sectional leader in Burlington at the First Presbyterian Church. I sang there for three years running, but I made more money singing in the one-eyed jacks for six months that i made singing in church for three years
1: yeah and a lot more money than you made when you went into the peace corps you know, lord have fear. mercy <laughs> so, so, so so you were on the ed sullivan show with uh another famous group and actually y'all uh i think ed sullivan took away one of their songs
2: and added one to your list right yeah what happened was ed had told our director doc carter I don't particularly like men's choruses, but when we did our rehearsal, he was taken by us. He went to Doc and said, you're going to sing two songs, but do you have one that you could add that would be more Southern? And it's something you and I couldn't get away with, Southern boys, we couldn't get away with today. We did a very slow, beautifully melodic version of Dixie, and Ed Sullivan just loved that song. So he took one away from the Dave Clark Five, and they only had one left, but we actually ended up singing three songs.
1: All right, so you you beat out the Dave Clark Five, and then you went to then you went touring with the One Eyed Jacks, and we're in the middle of the '60s now. So Vietnam's going on. So you joined the Peace Corps. Yeah, you head, you head out to. You thought you were going one place, then you ended up in Malawi, and you've already talked about you know what kind of a culture shock it was when you arrived. But this is kind of leading to what we're going to do here a little bit on the on the show because your 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 subtitle for your book, The Warm Heart of Africa, is love, music, and mishaps. And uh, before we talk about the music, uh, you know, love. I mean, I've read the memoir. I know that you, you, there's love of people probably. there's You met your first wife there. Talk about that as part of the subtitle of the book and why it's in there.
2: Well, the one thing that got coined about Malawi, the warm heart of Africa is not the the climate, it's the people. And Malawians are well known for being welcoming and giving. And even though they're very poor people, literally, they will give you the shirt off their back. I mean, they're incredibly giving folks. So I met my first wife there. We were Peace Corps volunteers uh, together. She served in the north. We didn't see each other that much. But the reason we got to stay for the third year is that she scored the highest in her language, Chitumbuka, and I scored the highest at the close of service exam in Chichewa. And Peace Corps wanted us to stay for a third year to coordinate language programs for incoming volunteers, and that's how that worked out.
1: That's great. And and Hang on, listeners, we're going to get to the music in just a second, but I want to talk about the mishaps. Uh, you've got mishaps in the in the subtitle, and I'm just wondering, does that have to do with the uh, motor scooters? Does it have to do with the snakes? Does it have to do with uh, the food? What are we talking about when we're talking about mishaps?
2: Well, the biggest, it, <laughs> there are at least four in there. Number one, um, I got chased by a green mamba. And I was really lucky that I escaped. I fell off my motorbike and got injured, and I could have been killed.
1: Now, now back up. Yeah. Green mamba. Tell us a little bit more about that.
2: Well, there are two um, predominantly um, very poisonous snakes in Malawi. One is the black mamba, which is even more poisonous than the green mamba, but you don't want to get bitten by one of those because there was no anti-venom in my clinic. So if I'd been bitten by that snake, uh, there's chances are it would have killed me. So. Um,
1: and they chase people? Snakes chase people?
2: Well, this one chased me. Or, or at me. least you, you thought you were being chased anyway, right? Well, I know I was being chased. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, but what happened, I was carrying eight bricks at the time. And instead of stopping thinking, I was... I was armed. But what happened is I threw the, sna- the the bricks in the air and ran. And I think what happened was, is that when eight bricks came down in front of the snake, it diverted and left me alone. Good, good call there. But the other thing, the biggest mishap is that I got kicked out of the country by the president.
1: Yeah, and that that's uh, because the president became jealous of your musical notoriety, and so let's kind of dive right into that, uh, and maybe we'll come back to what happened at, at that uh, little traumatic event about getting kicked out. But but you got there. You got this musical background. Tell us how you decided you were going to start writing songs to help with um, public education. The
2: Peace Corps doc at the time was a chap named. Lee Ellison. And Lee visited my clinic right before it was to open. I was getting everything ready. And he said, Jack, I hear you you're a singer. Why don't you write some jingles about the work that you're going to be doing in your clinic? And I told Dr. Ellison, I said, Lee, for gosh sakes, man, I, I'm a bit of a singer. I've never written one song. The way that my first song came about is that um We, After three months, and our program was brand new in Malawi, they asked all the volunteers in the country to go to a small resort on Lake Malawi and get together and talk about the goods, bads, and uglies and how everything was going for the first three months. I had my first tub bath (laughs) in three months, and I filled that sucker all the way up to my (laughs) nose, and it was hot water and I was languishing in this huge tub and I was looking at the ceiling and in my mind's eye I could see a poster that a volunteer who was located 10 miles down the road she and I had done some posters and one of them had a great big fly on it and it said in Chichewa beside it brush the flies out of your baby's eyes to prevent eye disease so I sat there and I started to syncopate. And the good news about Chichewa is that it, every word ends in a vowel. So it's a lot easier <laughs> to get things to uh, to uh, match up as opposed to English. And so, I wrote my first song.
1: And so how did you produce this? Because there was a group that you started singing with in uh, in Malawi, Right. You kind of connected with who was the group and how did that come about?
2: Well, the best known band in Malawi was called the Jazz Giants, and they were an all-African band. They were very popular, and they were stationed in the commercial capital, Blantyre. So one time when I was down there on Peace Corps Business, I went to hear them play one night, and during a break, I went and asked if they could please... Um, listened to one of my songs and uh, the lead guitarist really liked my song. And he said, is this what you want? And I said, yeah, that's what I want. And he said, well, why don't we get together and rehearse? We did that. Then we went to Malawi Broadcasting Corporation, the only radio station at the time in Malawi. And we recorded the song Um, and When it was released, people really liked my music and they could tell that I was a foreigner. Anybody white in Malawi is termed a European, even though obviously I'm an American. And the song became popular right away. On the way home from recording that one, I wrote what the song that became number one in Malawi for three years that you mentioned, a lot of people call it the peanut butter song, but um, it it implores uh, mamas to put pounded up peanut flour in their baby's maize porridge, what you and I would call in the South, cornmeal mush and feed it to the kids three times a day. If they want the kid to be uh, healthy.
1: So when you set out to do this, did to, to write these songs and these jingles, were you thinking about how that would fit into your uh, mission to kind of, t- to educate people in, in a third world country about hygiene and about good, good diet and that kind of thing? Um, did you have any anticipation that it was going to take off the way it did?
2: Absolutely zero. Um, Lee had suggested it. I thought it was a good idea, but I was intimidated because I've never, I'd never written a song but all of a sudden, I realized I could write music. I'd written two, and then other things that I was doing. As you mentioned, um, Malawians always wash their hands before and after they eat. So I wrote a song called "Wash Your Hands" uh, after going to the to the latrine, and mentioned. That's what we always do before we eat and after we eat. Why don't we do that after we go to the latrine? Another uh, song that was really popular with the mamas was uh, Boil Your Drinking Water. And um, I did a I did 16 while I was in Malawi. Mm,
1: that's great. Well, <laughs> listeners, you're in for a treat here because uh, ordinarily on Charlotte Roo's podcast, we uh, have authors give voice to the written words by reading a passage from their book but today you're going to actually hear uh, an author giving voice to the written words uh, through song and we're going to we're going to play this uh, song this number one song that was in, uh, the number one hit song in Malawi for 3 years running uh we've talked about it a little bit let's talk about the lyrics just a second to set it up cuz what they're going to hear is in uh the native language right Chichewa <laughs> Chichewa so uh i'm looking at the lyrics here uh, you have flour of peanuts, flour of peanuts, O-O. I I mean there are not too many words to the song here. And then you've got your children must eat O-O, flour of peanuts, indeed, indeed, and porridge. So is that a way I mean you put the you're putting the protein, you're getting it in the porridge, that's gonna help with the uh, you know, put keep keep weight on and that kind of thing.
2: Right, and the oos are just uh, a musical add-on <laughs> right. transition. So, so I'll have
1: to say, and I'll let the listeners be the judge. But when I first played this, I played this from Hawaii this weekend, and we were kind of, we were thinking, okay, what's the song? What's the song from the '60s? And we go, we got it, got it. Uh, Secret Agent Man, you know, but it's got that little <laughs> when you listen to it. If you go back and play Secret Agent Man from the '60s, you get a little bit of that, uh, you know, Secret Agent Man in this thing here. So, anything else you want to say to set it up before we play it?
2: No, it just uh, – the second verse talks about give it to your kids three times a day in the morning and the afternoon and then the evening. So the whole idea was to try to get more protein in the kids. They you, Mamas would only usually uh, give them this watery gruel, if you will, for breakfast, and that was the last uh, gruel they had that day.
1: Mm. All right. Listeners, so here we go. This is the number one song in Malawi for three years running. Can you pronounce the title of the song in the native language?
2: Ufa tedza
1: Okay, here
0: we go. Ufa tedza Ufa 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 Who for wanted some? Deep, deep to move, hollow. Who for wanted some? Who for wanted some? Who for wanted some? Hm, hollow. ana Anna, I am near a Who for wanted some? i ana anu a little pasi of a little bit wanted a little bit of a Ma wo, ma sana di maturro Ufa wan te zah Ufa wan te zah Oh, ufa Wanted te
1: Right, so I had a good beat to it. Um, a little bit about uh, did you you're the songwriter. Did you have any input into what the uh, melody would be or did, was that the group that was working with you that kind of came up with that with you?
2: The way I write music is I write the words and the music background music at the same time. And then I do in my head what I would like for the rest of it to be. A lot of times I will have a basic uh, drum beat in mind, um, a bass line. I don't have a rhythm guitar line, but the for the lead guitar, I can actually usually sing that <laughs> to the person who's um, going to help me with this and we work it out together. but I do I do probably uh, 85, 90 percent of the arrangement, but I do a hundred percent of the words in the lyrics.
1: I'm looking at the titles and wash your hands after going to the latrine, boil your drinking water, TB control, self-help schemes help to build the country, make war on ignorance, poverty, and disease. The best foods for our children are a mixture, and so on. Uh, you got safe driving, uh, bird protection, crop selection, blood donation. That reminds me, blood donation. You told an interesting story in the book about that song, about how uh, there's this sort of. Uh, I guess it's superstition that exists in the country about vampires and how that song actually had to get pulled. Yeah.
2: And I was ignorant of all of that stuff, but I got summoned to Blandtire by a a higher up in government, an African. And he said, Jack, you've become famous. Um, We need blood uh, for particularly uh, for Africans and we don't have enough blood, we don't have a blood donation scheme, would you write a bilingual jingle? Because the English part would definitely bring in the Europeans, and we need the Africans to come in as well. So I wrote a song about uh, blood donation, and when it first played, folks were a little bit stunned. They liked the music, but what happened in parallel for some unknown reason, people started to be murdered and it seemed to be connected directly with the song. So they pulled the song off the radio, which it was played quite a bit. And as soon as they uh, pulled the song, the murders stopped.
1: Mm. So you talk about cause and effect there in that song. uh, Very unfortunate. Was there, were you able to establish a cause and effect between the songs that you wrote to, to educate on nutrition and hygiene and, and and public safety in terms of how that translated into the to the real world for the people that live there. Did they did they follow what you were saying in these songs?
2: Well, it was amazing because, you know, I was criticized as a volunteer because I did this kind of stuff, but I didn't do follow up uh, research of uh, the effectiveness. Um, I learned by doing um I could tell in my village, the mamas who fed their kids Ufawanteza, their kids did a lot better. Um, And brushing the flies out of their baby's eyes, there was a lot less pink eye when people realized that that the flies were the ones that were uh, transmitting the disease from baby to baby and adult to adult. But um, I went back later. And I did an AIDS album, and we did a bit of rudimentary research with the AIDS album, and we found out that it truly was. There were six songs about AIDS, and we found out that 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 album was indeed having a, a positive impact on decreasing the level of AIDS in the country.
1: So back to an earlier story, Jack, we started with uh, about uh, how you became famous or infamous, depending on which way you want to look at it. But uh, the Peace Corps had been doing a lot of great work in this country. But then all of a sudden, after you did some great work, too, uh, the president became jealous. You're probably the first volunteer Peace Corps member to become more famous than the president of the country they were serving in. And that jealousy led to you being banned from the country before your time was up, which led to, uh, and also potentially the ending of— the contract between that country and the Peace Corps. Um, there was, some, I think, there was some 11th-hour negotiating that kept you in in country for a couple of weeks left. But uh, did that uh, did that blow over, or did it hang around for a while? Uh, was how was the Peace Corps
2: able to repair that relationship? That's a darn good question because what happened was they wanted to throw me out the very next day after I was banned by the president and Peace Corps went to the mat for me and they said, no, we're not going to do that. The negotiation was for me not to have any contact whatsoever with the radio. They wouldn't play my music and I couldn't talk to the press anymore. That was the deal. But for the Peace Corps, um, it really fell on hard times. A lot of the programs started to crumble, and they were on the cusp of, of leaving, and the uh, minister for education came in one day to the president and said, listen, we're going to lose 60 percent of our secondary school uh, teachers, our high school teachers. We think it'd be a better idea, Your Excellency, if um, we backed off of that allow the Peace Corps to stay. Reluctantly, the president allowed the Peace Corps to stay. But this was about a year and a half, two years after I was gone.
1: Yeah. And so that raised a question in my mind about uh, the Peace Corps. What is the status of the Peace Corps today?
2: I don't think you're aware of this, and I'm happy to share it with you, but there have been over... Uh, 240,000 returned Peace Corps volunteers, people who've served in the Peace Corps. Out of that August group, 24 of us are on a National Advisory Council to determine the reconstitution of the Peace Corps. One of the missions is to increase diversity. Since I'm the only physician on that August group, uh, I have a feeling I'm going <laughs> to have a lot to say about uh, health of volunteers, not only in country, but also once they come home. And um, back in our day, which includes yours, there were some wonderful PSAs, public service announcements on TV and the radio. And I mention a couple in my book. One of them was the the toughest job you'll you'll ever love. Uh, join the world and see the Peace Corps. There, there were a couple of those. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the the Peace Corps is only in other countries because of uh, invitation. We just don't go in and say, here, here we are and uh, trust us, we're the government, we're going to help you. Um, folks have to Um, invite us and then there's a negotiation about their needs and what we're able to provide
1: Mm. yeah that's great just uh real quick on the writing life uh you you wrote all these jingles you wrote all these songs we're going to actually have a patreon episode listeners in just a moment where jack and i are going to jump over and we're going to talk about the music of memoir we're going to play some more of his music talk more about some of that and how he did it Uh, he even wrote a song about uh corona recently so uh, but but jack with with all that background now you're writing a memoir which is uh more than uh, four stanzas uh how hard was it to to go from you know writing songs to writing a full length uh, book accounting for things that happened a long time ago in your life uh and trying to bring that to the page talk about that
2: well the biggest transition actually wasn't the 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 music the biggest transition is that i have have had a career in academic emergency medicine. So I've done a lot of research and publications and textbooks and all that kind of stuff. And what I found was from my writing coach, she said, Jack, your first chapter so- sounds like a chapter from from a, a textbook. Come on, yeah. man. You gotta yeah. <laughs> you gotta loosen up and and um tell your story and be yourself and don't be so stilted. And yeah. so that, that really helped me to turn a big corner.
1: Yeah, that's good advice. Uh, cause you want the personal story to come out. We don't want to, we can, we can read your textbook some other time. Right. right. Uh, <laughs> uh well, well, Jack, t- what do you hope that, uh, readers, um, uh, take away from your book? It's, it's not just a, it's not just a story about, uh, you know, your life and your experiences there. It's a story about, uh, a part of the world that uh, we don't know much about uh, and so uh, i found it fascinating to read and learn many things but what do you hope uh, what do you hope readers take away from the book why did you want to write it
2: well i wanted to write it because those 3 years in africa you and i are aware that peace corps is a 2 year hitch my experience was so enchanted i stayed for a third year and I was so pleased that my music did indeed have an impact in Malawi. I wanted people to realize that those three years really did have a tremendous impact on the rest of my my life, on my personal life, on my career. And I've ended up having a vocation in academic emergency medicine, but I've continued my avocation in public health And what I learned about the music in Malawi, I've continued to try to make uh, a modest contribution uh, through today. Um, I started off with my first song in Malawi, and I'm up to over 125 songs that I've written. And uh, you mentioned the anti-COVID-19 song that I recently did for Malawi. Believe it or not, I found out yesterday it is finally being distributed throughout Malawi.
1: That's great. Is there a chance the Peace Corps will come back? And what are your
2: thoughts on those kind of service projects? I'm 100% convinced that the Peace Corps will be reconstituted, have no doubt about that. I have a bit of a bias about this, that I really think that it would be a wonderful idea to have some form of national policy that we ought to give back to our country, that we ought to have two years of service to our country, and that everybody who's able, that there would be a very wide and deep menu from which to choose. People could choose the Peace Corps, they could choose AmeriCorps, the American Red Cross, all of the military would be involved and all kinds of stuff through the church. So I think that the more we give, the more we get and i the more we share the more we get and i think that it really you, there was somebody who said well i think it was art bulkwald who was um, a famous uh, writer uh, for the new york times when i was a kid who wrote i never loved america more than when i was outside her <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's funny uh well you're right i do think that when you know when you give Back and you give, uh, particularly when you're a young person, uh, it sort of, kind of sets a foundation for you uh, going going forward in your life, and that would be a nice, nice thing to have, and, and a great way to, to end this uh, episode. Jack, I want to thank you for for your service uh, as part of the Peace Corps and your continuing service. And we're going to jump over now on Patreon. That's patreo dot com forward slash Charlotte Readers Podcast. We're going to talk about the music of memoir. You can join us there, and you can support the podcast for little, little as five dollars a month and get that episode and a whole lot of other episodes uh, where we dive deeper to the writing lives of the authors. In this case, it'll be more about the uh, musical life of the author, because we're going to talk more about music and play some music and talk memoir writing. So, Hey Jack, I want to thank you for being a part of Charlotte readers podcast.
2: And I want to thank you as well. Cheers to you.
1: Well, that's it for today another fine author giving voice to the written words. You can subscribe to this podcast for free at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and most any podcast platform you like to listen to your podcast on.
0: If you like what we're doing, please consider leaving a short written review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice, because when you do, our authors' voices travel much farther and wider in podcast land.
1: And if you're inclined to help us, help authors, give voice to the written words, and you'd like some member-only content cultivated by our authors and me as our thanks, please consider becoming a member supporter.
0: You can find out how to become a member supporter and more about today's show and all previous episodes at charlottereaderspodcast.com. Thank you for listening.
1: We really appreciate it. I'm Landis Wade for Charlotte
0: Readers Podcast. Charlotte Readers Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Powered by Ortho Carolina. For more information, go to Queen City